What was this called again? Hans. <laughs> this one I can actually remember the name of. Pistol Whip. Pistol. All pistol. right. Oh my god. Hello. I need some help with this one because I. You need a lot of help with this one. You need yeah. a lot of help. I do. I need some help. <laughs> help me, Zach. Let's hear it. Uh, we haven't introduced ourselves yet. Hi. I'm Zach. Hi. I'm Aaron. Did he just leave? Is he just keeping us on the edge of our seats? <laughs> At the top of the episode? Is this like a dramatic... <laughs> is, this, is this some build-up? Is a dramatic a reveal? reveal? <laughs> it's been Seagal the whole time disguised. <laughs> now I don't want to say anything because I have nothing. You can say your I'm name. Hans. You can say okay, your I'm you Hans. Go. You're Hans. Hi. I, don't, I didn't have anything funny or quippy. Neither did me. Seagal this whole movie. <laughs> no. Well, he did have that part when he referenced the lady. What it would be like if she had a d- that was. Uh, oh, that was in like the really oh gross God. portion of the movie, though. That was so bad. Okay, okay, okay. They Let's thought it was going to be funny, okay. and it just okay. wasn't. Hold up. Goes Hold through up. phases. Let's slow down. Hold on. You're probably wondering how I found myself here. Let's start at the beginning. But you can't check your six. It's kind of like, you know, taking a screwdriver to a gunfight. What's happening? Just like old Tom. All right. This one was Pistol Wings. And I went on a journey with this one. <laughs> I, I kind of thought this one was pretty decent. And then it was kind of like trash, like the worst thing I've ever watched. And I wanted to turn it off. And then it was kind of decent again for a good chunk. And then it was like trash again for like another like, you know, two minutes. And then it was pretty decent. But okay, yeah, at least at the end, it was like it entered into so dumb. It was kind of funny again. Yeah. At the very end. Surprisingly, I am on complete agreement with you. And I think that's part of why I struggled so much because I, I couldn't decide. There were parts where I thought, man, this is surprisingly competent and then that would swap right into a part that was just straight garbage and it was this sort of emotional roller coaster of am i gonna agree with zach on this yeah i think i'm gonna agree with zach on this wait no this is actually terrible and i hate it i i couldn't decide i couldn't make up my mind and and i'm just lost and i think because of that i was paying too much attention to that and not enough attention Mm. to the actual movie I actually think this is one that, like, if you hooked our brains up and we're, like, you know, to an EKG and we're, like, charting an EKG that's specifically designed just to, like, know how I feel about the movie I'm currently watching. I'm sure Harvard's researching that. Um, <laughs> like, I think our brainwaves would, like, align pretty closely. Like, I think you glare them on top of each other and, like, see that it's a match. Like, fingerprints. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's hear Let's it. run through this. In Pistol Whipped, the poster makes you think it's going to be a movie all about like gambling casinos and such it is not get that out of your head right away Steven Seagal has a gambling problem you see him gamble for like one scene towards the beginning that's basically how it materializes that's worthy of an entire poster um we learn that this man gambles and he drinks and he's a, a divorced deadbeat father he is Catholic in this one, or at least yeah, he we've come back to, to Catholic a classic Seagal. <laughs> Catholic Seagal. I will have some things to say later. Uh, well, Good, I'm excited I'm for it. I figured you would. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to run through this plot, and then I'm going to propose something crazy at the end. So hold on, oh, hold on, your butts, get ready. Let's for that. let's just. I'm going to shut up. Just do it quick. Let's let's get through it. So go, he's go, in a confession, go. 
and i love it this priest is just absolutely like roasting this man and it's great <laughs> he's like you suck you drink you give all your money away you can't even make it to the bed you sleep on the couch your daughter doesn't love you your wife doesn't love you um but i know there's like good in you and i'm like up until that last part i was 100 percent on board. um so what happens is he owes money all over town. He has these markers. He keeps racking up casino debt, gambling debts. Uh, the old man, the character who's just known as the old man, um, <laughs> who you may recognize if you're a fan of movies that take place in space where titular aliens uh, cause trouble. He runs a secret organization. He runs a wanted organization. He's Morgan Freeman in this movie. Oh he runs God. an organization where they kill bad people who manage to stay out of trouble because they have money and influence. And so he kind of like ropes a gauntlet to this. He says, I bought up all your gambling debts, so now you got to work for me. It's kind of like a weird deal that you have, but okay. So he just sends Seagal as like his hitman to take out bad dudes who deserve to die. He is assisted in this effort by... The movie Wanted yes, came out the same year as Pistol Whip. Okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Hold on. Hold on. No spoilers. I did not know this I, until I, right I, now. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. You have the same realization I did while watching this movie. Okay. You, you've just unlocked a, a key. You just inserted a key into the keyhole in my brain. <laughs> I, I, no, this is, like, this is like the nuclear sub. I got two keys for you, bro. Hold up. So he is sending Seagal on these hits um his first hit oh he's assisted by his good friend blue mr blue blue mr. just blue. blue blue and i don't know about you it's, there's like a, a funny dynamic there where he's like you want to kill this guy this guy's a bad guy and skull's like okay yeah i want to kill this guy and then blue's like but also he has a kid and skull's like oh now i don't want to kill him like and he just like kind of messes with Skull the whole time like being like yeah this dude's really bad but also like you should feel guilty while scouting out his first hits he meets a woman who <laughs> We're talking about weird, <laughs> random actresses and actors that you weren't expecting to show up in the Seagal movie. <laughs> he meets Angelica Schuyler from the musical Hamilton at a bar. <laughs> that was very unexpected. That took me by surprise. Um, they talk for like two seconds and then go to bed together. Have like a very uh, cringe-inducing sex scene. That is the first major dip. That's where I thought this is the worst thing I've ever seen. He kills the first guy. Actually, goes pretty well, all things considered, considering his strategy is to walk into the place and just shoot him in the chest. <laughs> That's his big strategy. Um, and anyone within like a 10 foot radius of him. Yeah, yeah. just anyone who kind of looks at him funny. And he just leaves because he's a ghost. And then just leaves. Okay, no one knew. Okay. No one saw. No cameras. Okay, wait. I want to talk about that, but I'm, I'm going to I'm putting a pin on that. Got to get to this recap. <laughs> You're kind of uh, hurry up. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, I'm hurrying. I'm doing a good job. You're only ten minutes into the movie. Hans, you've interrupted three times. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, Hans. Um, he gets his next targets. He tries to connect with his daughter and it doesn't go well. Um, he kind of has an altercation with Blue, but like where he's just slow to kill his next target, but he's still gonna kill his next targets. Uh he there's some complications during this one, it doesn't go quite as smoothly, like while he Seagal's messing stuff up in there a dude comes in from outside to try to kill Seagal so Blue like saves him and this is where we learn that ugh, I can't remember I'm just gonna call it this is the worst because I'm not even gonna call her by like her actress I'm not Drea Drea yeah short for Drea. Drea yeah the worst part is a lot of times in these movies I call them by like the name of their actor I wasn't even gonna call her like Renee I was gonna call her Angelica <laughs> <laughs> like, it was completely unrelated musical years later 
Um, we learn that Dre is in on this too. She is a part. She is the Angelina Jolie of this wanted organization. But they're all kind of the teams form in. Uh, then we find out that Seagal's next target is his ex-wife's new husband. Who? Okay, see, this is where it starts to get. This is where it really layers in on itself. This is so because dumb. the movie has reveals and it reveals them very poorly, but it has reveals. So rather than going chronologically through the movie, what happens is before the movie started, <laughs> Seagal was a police officer. His wife's new husband, Steve. Yeah. Steve is also a police officer and was like buddies with Seagal at this point. A bunch of money got stolen and Seagal's partner went missing, but Steve lied and gave Seagal an alibi. Um, we come later to find out that Steve, but Seagal still gets fired. Um, we come to find out, and that's when I started being like deadbeats. That Steve stole the money and killed Seagal's partner, but then still had like some kind of guilt because Seagal saved Steve's life at some point. So he lied about the alibi. So he like took the money and killed his partner, but like, and Seagal still got fired, but he made sure Seagal didn't like go to prison for it. And then he married Seagal's wife when Seagal got divorced because he Which, became like a deadbeat. And imagine drunk. that dynamic. Right, it's <laughs> well, they're still players. friends. Yes. They're still friends. The- yes. I don't know how, but. It's funny because even the wife complains. She's like, every time you come to talk, like every time you want to talk about like the daughter or something, you go and talk to Steve. You don't talk I, to me. Anymore. Oh, I have so much to say about that. I'm sorry. You just keep going. So he's like, "Hey, Steve, you got to get out of here. Someone's trying to kill you." And Steve's like, "Is it you?" And Skull's like, "I hope it's not." Which is a very <laughs> funny response. Um, Steve tries to go to the priest to get information on Seagal. The priest is like, "I can't tell you that I'm a priest." And Steve is like. Uh, okay, that's that's all right. That's thank you. And then just like slits the priest's throats <laughs> for no reason other than for we no learned reason. he's the villain now, so now he's gonna do villain stuff. Like this happens a lot in movies when you'll have a character that's like, "Hey, I want to like save the orphans and like give kids free candy," and you're like, "Okay, I'm on board." And then they just start murdering innocent yeah, civilians. Up until, like, I'm not on board. Up until this like, exact point, Steve was just kind of like a chill guy. He's done yeah. nothing wrong. <laughs> And then he just randomly kills. And it's not like the priest gives him a reason to kill him. It's not like the priest is like, oh, I've actually learned you're bad. And I'm going to like, he just kills the priest. Like the priest is like, okay, cool. We're good. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't give you more info. Bye. And then Steve just randomly kills him and then randomly kills another dude in the church. (laughs) Just does a double homicide for no reason other than we learned he's the villain. So it's time for him to start doing villain stuff. (laughs) And then the Seagal goes to the crime scene where the priest was killed kind of he gets steve has him arrested but then released because steve's like i want to to lead me to blue he never references the old man i don't think i don't even think he knows the old man exists but he knows about blue and then skull and blue are kind of having a square off but then steve comes in so then like skull and blue team up and like you know drive away from me get away from each other and then they meet back up with uh drea and they set themselves up like at the se- at the the funeral for the priest <laughs> Uh, there's a whole gunfight that breaks out with Drea Blue and okay. If I'm actually going to use their real names, I should use the girls. Matt Connor. Matt Connor is not Matt fine. Conlin. Matt Connor, as portrayed by Steven Seagal, uh, Drea and Blue team up and okay. take out Steve and his goons, who are also all dirty, corrupt, corrupt cops sure. who like know about the fact that they stole money and stuff. Like they're all in on it. So that's ha ha ha. That's why he was a target from the old man because he is also like you know using his influence and money to get out of trouble that he should be in. It, you know, old man was actually pretty much right the whole time. Actually, every target he picks is a good target. 
and they save the oh, oh and steve takes seagal's like daughter hostage at one point very bad stepfather and they manage to save the day they have big old gunfights and they take out steve and his goons yeah and then becky the daughter watches as her dad burns her stepdad's corpse <laughs> um explodes her <laughs> stepdad's corpse <laughs> Yeah, he Seagal says when Steve's laying on the ground, Seagal goes, "Do you want to be buried this or cremated?" And Steve says, "Buried." So then Seagal shoves him into a car that's leaking gasoline and shoots it, so it just explodes in front of him. It's a hearse. Eyes. As Becky, the girl, is like screaming and crying and just like rolling on the ground, wailing. Oh, and then it's kind of horrifying. Like, okay, you know. And then Seagal is like praying in church and Drea comes up and gives him like, you know, the next target. Like, ah, he's sticking with the wanted organization. He's he's part of the wanted team. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's cool with it now. And then they show us his new house for some reason. Like, they do a whole three. Same house. Of, like, uh, well, they do it like it's the it, same house. It's been for sale throughout do... the movie. He like takes the for sale sign out of the yard. Oh, that's what it because is. Because yeah, he, okay. he, he got good. over his gambling and uh, his gambling addiction and alcoholism. In like I was a just couple confused days. at the end. Uh, he gets rid of the like the for sale sign, which you know he has all this money from killing the targets, yeah. so like I, whatever. But like I I don't know why they did this whole like three sixty view of the yeah. Place, I thought like, that was like you too. get to see the uh, the air conditioning unit outside. And... <laughs> yeah, it's great. weird. Okay, so two things. Yeah, yeah, two things. One, <clears throat> one. Um, as Aaron realized. So this movie came out the same month, earlier the same month. So when I when I first saw this poster, I thought this was going to be the, like the movie 21 with Jim Sturgis and uh, Kevin Spacey. I was like, oh, 21. Like, that's what it's reminding yeah. me of. It had uh, nothing to do with that. It had no 21 vibes. But I was just like, oh, like, you know, gambling action, whatever. No. But it came out earlier the same month as 21, starring Jim Sturgis and uh, Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> and it came out the same year, three months before Wanted. <laughs> Amazing. So we've talked about this before, like how this movie, how Seagal had a movie that came, that was Taken, but came out five years before Taken and like had a movie that came out before The Dark Knight Rises and how The Dark Knight Rises ending. My man is like, he's honing, he's getting closer. <laughs> like he's going to release a movie that is a movie, you know, but like a week before that one. <laughs> like he's, he's honing his knife's edge. Um, two, while I'm watching this, did they secretly make... A movie that where the main character is like the daredevil mixed with the punisher <laughs> did they secret like his name is matt and he's catholic and he becomes a vigilante the only difference is he very much kills he's like the punisher <laughs> yeah. did they secretly make like a daredevil movie <laughs> but seagal says no nah, i'm not doing this not killing things so they said okay you're kind of like if the daredevil and like punisher like mixed uh i believe punisher is also catholic Mm, oh he could be i just know it factors a ton into like matt oh matt like, matt murdoch that's like his whole deal every single thing is like ah oh, there's crime and i'm catholic and no, i want to stop crime and i'm catholic like that's his whole existence that's why i love him so much okay but that is the recap of pistol whipped i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna join in on you with the two things because i have two things the ah, probably the, things. The, the the two biggest things that kept popping up in my mind one this man has racked up. They they even said it's something like a million and a half. It was well over a million dollars. Like one and a quarter million, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well over a million dollars in gambling debt to people that you don't want to be in debt to all across town. But he has like a really nice house just with a for sale sign out front. But a really nice house and a really nice car and a real like a, a house full of really nice things. And that's not <laughs> what you would expect 
for someone with a lot of gambling debt. Weird, but whatever. I guess he has to have a nice house for his daughter. Number two, every time he goes to see his ex-wife, I can only assume that she divorced him because of the gambling and the drinking and the debt. But she does not act like she wanted to get divorced. No. Every interaction he has with his ex-wife is confusing. <laughs> it's so confusing, and it's okay, like first borderline all, he creepy. Gre- he literally greets her with, hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> Which is a terrible way to greet your ex-wife. I don't have much experience in that area, but I imagine a terrible way to greet your ex-wife. <laughs> I, just... Every interaction they had confused me. But also every interaction he has with any woman is confusing and gross yeah. and creepy in this it's movie. It's just so strange. Oh, and I guess, I guess thing number three. But yeah, the stepdad, Steve, the bad guy, Steve. who's not the bad guy up until like a specific point when he is immediately turned into the bad guy. He's like a phenomenal stepdad, and and his stepdaughter loves him, loves him, and loves her own father. And her father and her stepfather are both best friends. And there's yeah. like this really great, like unusually great relationship <laughs> with this whole, this whole family. And then he just like, oh, I guess I'm the villain now. So he kidnaps his own stepdaughter and holds her at gunpoint. Yeah, like when uh, when Seagal's character is like too drunk to get out of bed. On the day that he's supposed to have their daughter, Steve like covers for him, and yeah. will like come up with excuses and like, "Hey, let's go get ice cream." Like, well, like I've and, and seen a lot of situations like where like the stepdad's like, "Yeah, your real dad sucks. We're gonna go." <laughs> but that's the thing because he's still like he wants he's covering for him, but also like giving her a good life. Like, yeah, he's just trying to give her yeah. as full of a childhood as he can. Yeah, until all of a sudden he's just slitting the priest's throats <laughs> and kidnapping little girls. Like, it's it's like they wanted this movie to be something entirely different. They wanted the bad guy to be the old man and to be blue and to and uh, they just at, at some point what? flipped that on its head and decided, oh no, we want to go the complete opposite direction. Actually, well, and it's everyone really flips that way. So like, I feel like what the movie wanted me to do when it reveals that Steve is the villain, I was like, what? No, I didn't see that coming. What? And what? I, what actually happened was what? That's such a good guy. No, what? Steve <laughs> doesn't make any sense like i wasn't like shocked but oh now you know all this stuff makes sense it was i was shocked and thought that is the dumbest thing i've ever you had a villain just stick with blue was your villain the entire movie and then so like and when they're in the cemetery shootout and blue's dying and seagal like drags him behind one of the headstones and he's like don't die man and blue dies and plays like this sad music i'm like i don't care this guy was a villain for the last 90 percent of this movie <laughs> you're like wait we like blue now yeah 85 yeah. minutes of this 90 minute movie he was the villain yeah really at best they're forced together due to circumstance they're not yeah they're friends. not allies like a couple scenes ago seagal was shooting at him for fun like <laughs> they hate each other Just, this, Nothing this changed is why that. i yeah, and this is why I kept flipping back and forth between like, wait a minute, this actually like it's not a good movie, but it seems mm-hmm. it's okay, like it's it's boring, but it's fine. And then you would flip to a state of, wait, this is complete garbage. What why are they doing this? Well, also like uh production will flip between like kind of competent, pretty cool car chase to like a poker yeah. scene where everything's made of popsicle sticks and hot glue. <laughs> Okay, wait, should we talk about... Okay, I have a proposition. Yeah. Should we go through and talk about all the things that are like surprisingly decent then talk about the things that absolutely just suck? Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Let's yes. do it that yeah, way. Yeah, let's do that. Let's okay, do that. Okay, 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 okay. Um, so like you said, 
there's actually a we have not had like any good car chases in skull movie yet no there's a somewhat really. decent car chase in this one yeah like there is there are power slides there's like actual I said that, I, in things. my notes i said this car chase actually isn't bad what the hell's going on well okay but to throw the wrench into that is that every now and again they'll do a cutaway to like see a reaction shot of them in there and it's just them like sitting in front of a rear projection screen like okay, throwing themselves yes, from side to side yes, in a stationary car i didn't so say it's bad. great it's pro i will say probably the best car chase we've had in any school it's movie. the best car chase and yeah. at least in a very long time it's it was like there is at one point it's not even it's even before the car chase um when Seagal's going after his second target and like Blue's camped outside and then he sees like the guy going in after Seagal and he's like, ah, shoot, I got to go help him. Yeah. Like as he's leaving, something that jumped out is like he's exiting the parking, like Blue's in this parking garage next door. He's like driving out of the parking garage and there's like a hidden cut like as he exits the garage and it's like not invisible. Like if you're watching, you like may notice it, but I'm, mm. but like it struck me because like more than if there's no cut there at all, the fact that there's a hidden cut, I'm like, that's. That's a thing good movies do. Like <laughs> Parasite, the best movie ever, has like hidden cuts in it. That yeah. like I'm like, well, that's actually a technique. They, they did a technique. You're not supposed to do technique in these movies. <laughs> Somebody cared. Somebody tried. <laughs> what? Like I don't know. We need to look up who directed and edited this because whoever wrote this, I have beef with you. But the director and editor were uh, the cinematographer sure. was uh, Richard Crudo. Who was the cinematographer for American Pie? Um, mm. Mm, okay. Uh, if we're if we're still talking damn, about the cine- damn the the scene of that kid in that pie had more chemistry than any scene with Seagal and Drake in this movie. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, uh, he was also the cin- cinematographer for Out of Reach, another Seagal movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, Bong Water. <laughs> That's sure. Um, and also the gunfight at the end, surprisingly competent. So that's that's what I was just about to say. Yeah. The yeah. the the mechanics of the gunfight and where people were at what time and and how, who's who and who's who. Maybe it's not just so like much. two. It's just two teams of guys in suits, right? And they're all circling each other, and nobody could hit anything, even though they're not standing behind cover. Whatever. Well, they can hit but all those styrofoam I, headstones. I have. That's what I'm going to say, though. Those the the styrofoam headstones, whatever whatever material they were actually made of. The special effects around the headstones exploding, not bad. Not bad. Pretty solid. I liked it. I actually took note of that. I thought we've seen special effects of of much, much, much lower caliber as like the standard across all of these movies. And this scene, this 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 big scene was actually done pretty well. Maybe not with the placement of the people and the acting of the people, but the special effects pretty solid. In general, the effects throughout the whole movie, pretty solid. Like, yeah. he, like, shoots a guy, and there's, like, a big, gooey squib goes off, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. That's what that should be. Not bad. Yeah, no, the the gunfight at the end, it definitely, like, it like you said, it's just a bunch, bunch of dudes in suits just kind of vaguely running around shooting. It, like, does some, some things that make it harder to follow. Like, it breaks the 180 rule, so you'll have, like, two characters shooting at each other, but, like, shooting, like, both to the right of screen. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not perfect, but I could generally, like, tell what is supposed to be going on, which you yeah. cannot always say. No, no, no. Skull movie. Yep, very true. It does certain, like bold choices that aren't great and stick out jarringly but are kind of fun like randomly decides to get super dramatic out of nowhere like when he orders like a rum and coke or you know jack daniels or something and it does like super dramatic bartending like (laughs) where it's like the amc ad where the ice just boom into the glass and Mm -hmm. i'm like that 
I don't really know why the drink doesn't actually it isn't important to the plot. Like yeah. it didn't deserve that, but like randomly like that. Okay. 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 It's trying a stylistic thing and it's not giving me a headache. Mm-hmm. Anytime was... these movies try to do something stylistic, they usually give me a headache. Or like a seizure. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of camera work in this one that was actually uh, sort of yeah. distinct to this movie in those in such a way that it was much better than the bulk of what we've seen previously. This like there true. were a couple shots of him and, I, and this is so it's so lame to point this out because this is like nothing. This is not important. This is not something that you would point out in like a major motion picture mm-hmm. that you would see in the theaters today. But there were a couple shots of like when he would get into his Range Rover because that's what he drove in this one. When he would get into his Range Rover to drive away, they would start the shot like at the tail lights, and you would see the tail lights, his reversing lights would go on, and he'd like back out of the driveway. And like the way they shot him leaving the house was well done. And it's so frustrating to me that this is what I'm pointing out, that this is what I think is well done, because that is like the lowest bar. But this movie does it, and the other movies we've seen have not. So, to me, that's impressive. (laughs) There were lots of, like, (laughs) technique things that were done correctly, which stood out to me. like, whoever made this, like, went to film school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why I kept... It all comes back to why I kept flip-flopping between, like, wait, is this actually okay versus is this garbage? Because there were so many of those little things that stood out, like, this... This doesn't belong in a Seagal movie. This is competent filmmaking. It was weird. It was very weird. So, yeah. speaking of, so, Roel Riene, the director of this, uh-huh. a Dutch film director, um, he's done a lot of, like, direct-to-video stuff, including The Marine, too. Interesting. Um, he did The Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption. I didn't oh. even... Wait, what? <laughs> they made a direct-to-video third installment of the Scorpion King series, and it has Billy Zane and Ron Perlman in it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? <laughs> what a combo right wait is Rob Perlman the scorpion king in this that would be awesome no no that can't be oh, okay okay we're getting um, you know what's really funny my point is <laughs> we oh, yes. we've been struggling to come up not struggling but we've been, we've been kind of slow we, we we started this off by saying we're going to come up with all the good things that we found about this movie and then contrast it with the bad things it's rough. and all the the three good things that we've come up with so far have had nothing to do with Seagal <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that's very unsurprising. Um, and uh, the next one I have also has nothing to do with Seagal. But also, the director of this, he directed, uh, not the whole thing, but it looks like he directed some of the episodes of Halo, the Paramount Plus, like, Halo adaptation. Oh, oh okay. that's fun. Still getting okay. work. Okay. Good for you, yeah. Roel. Roel. Um, the other, so this movie, what it does not do well is, like words and people talking at each other and people saying words at each I... other it does those very badly but the performances the acting is actually pretty solid the acting the is the guy that plays blue pretty solid um hold on I'm, I'm gonna say their names uh paul calderon as blue he does a pretty good job i think he's yeah. doing uh, an impression as the old man he what'd you say uh like uh paul calderon 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 who plays yeah. blue it sounds like he's doing an impression uh, that's fine it, it worked. i mean it was, was a good, good impression worked yeah um um lance henriksen is the old man he does a pretty good job Rainy yeah he Lee's does a very good job as dre smalls she's pretty solid um lydia Stitch. jordan who plays I... becky the little girl as far as child yeah. actors go solid 
yeah. Mark Elliott Wilson, Steve. Steve's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Like, all the performances except for one are Steve actually... Steve and like, his eyebrows. Pretty it was Steve and his eyebrows. He did a really good job of playing the good guy, and then when he was told, oh, wait, no, sorry, yeah. you actually have to play the bad guy now, he did a reasonably good job yeah. of that, too. Versatility. It's not like his fault that the script sucked. Well, uh, The so- stuff they're saying is... Awful. I have a theory about <laughs> but that. They're delivering it with conviction. I have a theory about that. Okay. Oh, oh, here's my go. theory. Here so I right. think, and I'm not going to do this experiment, but if you went back and rewatched the movie, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, but if you did, I think you would find that all the scenes that don't contain Seagal, which in this movie is very few, he's in this yeah. a lot. The last few movies we talked about this, this like, he's actually the main character. Yeah, the last few movies he's been like the main concern, but probably not the main character in the last couple of movies. So he's not actually in a big chunk of it. This he's in almost every scene, but in the very few scenes where there's just dialogue between two people who are not Seagal, I think you will find that those conversations make a whole lot more sense because I think Seagal was improving through like <laughs> most of this. He, he had like a general all of sense. His lines. I think he had like a general sense of what his line was supposed to be, and there'd be like keywords that he has to hit. Yeah, uh, and as long as he hit those keywords. The other actors could like keep the scene going, but it felt very I mean, much I like he that, was improving. I think That's... that has to be the case, even going back to his earlier movies. How else do you explain like you you brought a screwdriver to a gunfight? That's sort of like bringing a screwdriver to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> That's that has to be it because every single line for the past I don't know probably sixteen movies has started with either you know. Or so listen, so listen, every single line, and he always it's always like so listen, uh, and then he does the line he's actually supposed to say. Oh, so frustrating! But he just has like a keyword that he has to hit, and as long as he hits that yeah. keyword, then the next line works. Because yeah. like every now and again, I noticed this when they were in the when uh, Seagal and his daughter Becky were in the the aquarium. It's a very awkward scene. <laughs> It's very, very strange. So is like walking no. his daughter around no, the, sucks. the aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's finally getting some daddy daughter time, trying to be a good no. dad. Uh, except he comes off the whole scene as like if as if he's still drunk. And like she <laughs> is kind of guiding him around. That's definitely not like what the dialogue is telling you, but the delivery. At, oh, he's going senile. Like she made lunch for them both, and uh, she's like, he's. Those aren't peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You made like peanut butter, peanut butter. Sandwiches. No, you made jelly and peanut, jelly butter peanut butter sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, and she's just kind of like laughing like at this him. cute line <laughs> uh, and uh, and like he asks uh, well you know what grandma would say about your precociousness and she just looks at him for a second like she's trying to be a professional actress and like act against him uh, you know do something and so apparently they have a super Irish grandmother because she goes Jesus Mary and Joseph yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sure. I mean, you probably had to write that on your own, twelve-year-old girl. So I'll take it. Um, go for it, I guess. But like, she did. I think she did a heroic job in that aquarium scene, okay, shepherding you know Seagal through this absolutely movie. Sucks. Do you know what part of that scene is awful? I Maybe mean, most of it, but go for it. 
Well, truly most of it, but it really hits a valley whenever <laughs> she's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't see you the other, you know, hang out with you the other day, you know, and your stepdad makes excuses for me or whatever. And she's like, oh, it's like, I could see your face and I could tell you're upset by something. And he goes, yeah, I have some stuff going on or whatever, but daddy shouldn't let stuff, daddies shouldn't let stuff like that get in the way of daddy-daughter relations. <laughs> 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 That is not. <laughs> nobody wrote that. <laughs> nobody told you to say that, Stephen. Oh, that is so. Uh, literally, like, uh, made me like shudder. Can feel it's the so bile creepy. in the back of your throat. <laughs> yes. I mean, there are several moments in this movie where you could just like feel the bile okay, in the back okay, of your wait, throat. Okay, wait, that'll be in the oh. bad section. Any other halfway decent stuff? Um. <laughs> oh, the scene where Seagal is like shooting at Blue to try and scare him, but Blue's like too cool. Uh, and no, that scene sucked. No. Well, no, there's one part, and it's not because of anything Seagal did, it's because the prop department. Um, <laughs> the when he's like shooting at the matchsticks. Uh, no, the part's so stupid. And so, like, I mean, it was cool how they rigged it up that some of the matchsticks no, light, uh, and like so they break. Like the first couple break, and then one just breaks like the top off, and the last one lights. And so you have like this diagonal line of matchsticks. Um, I would agree with you; that would be cool. But that's not what happens. He breaks the first three, and then lights the last two. There's no progression. But there's, there's kind no, of like they try. No, he like shoots it, the tip off one, and then he like lights the last two. It's but it doesn't. It's not. It's not as. It's not as seamless. It's not as solid. It's not as as linear of a progression as what I think you're trying to describe but it they as. Tried. See, I literally, I just put in my notes that thing with the matches was pretty stupid. Because they show him <laughs> like he's just in an empty warehouse and he's just setting these matches like you <laughs> making know, little targets. Up. That yeah. is true. And then like he talks to Blue just to intimidate. But then like Blue's walking away and it is like based on the angle, he looks like he's directly behind the matches. Oh yeah. And Skull's like shooting these matches but not hitting him. He's curving the bullets. Um, he is. He's doing. It's wanted. Um, Hans, have you seen the movie Wanted? No, I haven't. You kind of need to see the movie Wanted. How did I know that was going to be the answer? I didn't even have to ask. You kind of need to see Wanted. It's not good. I don't think. It's pretty fun, but it has some really Um, fun elements to it. I was going to say the last thing I can think of that was pretty halfway decent in this movie. Um, I like the part when he's doing like the second hit. He's like in this like clubhouse and he's like taking out the dudes. There's these guys that are like duck pin bowling. Yeah, in their, like, yeah. Clubhouse, which playing is there like funny. some guys playing mahjong in like one of the yeah. one of the lanes. Uh, and then there's another lane where guys like duck pin bowling, and they have this guy at the end just like setting the pins back up. This like beleaguered old man that clearly doesn't want to be there, but has to set up the pins, roll them the ball back. A slave. And Seagal comes in. He. That's yeah. basically what he is. He, and Seagal shoots all the guys, and this dude just like gives Seagal like a big thumbs up, and, like, a smile, <laughs> and I liked that part. I liked the dude that's setting up the the duck pin, mm-hmm. uh, indentured servant that they had. Indentured servant, that's awful. It was awful. I don't know the exact arrangement, yeah. But then he gives them a smile and a big thumbs up at the and end, and hopefully of it. goes home. Yeah. Um. What? Uh. Anything else that's actually kind of decent? This is also. There's a lot that's. Trash. There's so much that's trash. Oh, it actually like. There's definitely some stunt doubling going on it, but there's. He looks like he's trying to do some of his own fights. I think he ran in this one. I think so, and like that we didn't have every single fight scene shot from the shoulder down. Like there are wide shots where he's like 
flailing his arms yeah. that's his fight scene but he's flailing his arms at a guy yeah and i'm like oh okay and it's the golf flailing you know it's pretty you can tell that's actually skull flailing yeah it's not like when they literally cut to someone who like has a completely like you don't even realize is supposed to be doubling for Seagal because their body shapes are so different. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he gets shot in that scene, and actually, like afterwards, Steve is like, "Hey, you're like you're not moving your arm. Like, what happened? Did your arm get hurt?" And I'm like, "He suffered consequences from an injury. That's probably the first time that's happened." They don't affect his ability yeah. to fight anybody, but the, it, no, you know, no, but like but other characters' something. reference, like that's the most we what we've seen before is. You got shot. You call this getting shot. This isn't getting shot. So this is something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole premise of this one, I think, is the first time we've ever seen a Seagal character have any kind of um, uh, weakness isn't it, but sh- like show. What's what's the word that I'm trying to think of? Every every character Seagal is playing at this stage of his career should be a deadbeat, like drunk, like divorced, like man, like in his forties, instead of trying to still be the cool action star he thinks he is. Yeah, like, he's actually kind of playing a character that you you're like. Okay, yeah, we could get Seagal for that I'm one. Yeah, to, I'm trying to yeah. think of the like this actually fits word. in. We're not going to bring him onto an alien movie, and then halfway through he decides he doesn't want to do an alien movie. Alien vampires. <laughs> um, oh, I was actually thinking alien uh, on a submarine. Oh, I was thinking of the alien vampires in Paris. <laughs> Gosh, we were robbed of two really good movies. Right? Oh, speaking of, actually, there's a scene at the beginning where they're trying to montage of how much of, like, you know, deadbeat this guy is. And, like, the daughter walks in and Seagal's just, like, asleep on the couch. And it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm just, like, laying on the couch facing away from the camera. It looks like they didn't even know he, he didn't even know they were filming. He was just asleep on set and they just came and, in and started filming around. And his daughter, like, pulls the blanket up to cover him. Yeah, that, that was so funny. Yeah. Whenever they try to do establishing him as a deadbeat, it's very funny because he's like, of course, he's just like drinking straight out of the bottle. Like they're just like pulling out the cliche one on one, like you know, book. Yeah, no, this, I think this is the first character. I still can't, I can't think of the word because I'm stupid, but I, I think this is the first character that he's ever had some kind of like weakness built into his character. Some kind of this is the failing. first character that's more than one dimension, like more than one dimensional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now let's uh, let's just shift let's, gears here and talk about it. all the things that were bad. Oh, oh I, I'm trying to. Sh- oh, I, I I hit the clutch wrong. I'm grinding the gears. Oh, I, oh no, the shifting gears is going really poorly. The the very first thing that you said was actually surprisingly good. That car chase was uh, preceded by the worst shootout I think we've seen yet, where they're like standing there. There are two cars, one on either side of the SUV that Seagal and Blue are are in. And they're shooting opposite directions at both of these cars. Yeah, it's just a bad shootout scene where they're they're in an SUV in the middle, and there's a car on either side of them with the crooked cops shooting at them, and they're not behind any cover. They're just like on either side of their SUV, and they're nobody hits any. I don't know. It goes on for like five minutes, and nobody hits anything, even though they're five feet away from each other, and it's just very dramatic for no reason and it lasts for so long and nothing happens and it adds no value to anything and then that jumps right into an actually surprisingly car surprisingly competent car chase it was weird like you could trim it down to like six seconds and accomplish the same thing better yeah yeah you could like be oh they're surrounding us okay i gotta get in blue's car that's really all that's accomplished in that scene but that's what you i know? thought was gonna happen because blue he's seagal's just like jauntily I, what, what, I, he's he's sort of sauntering away 
and the cops are following him after they let him like they they locked them up for a night let him go and then wanted to follow him to find blue and they're really slowly following him in their car as he's walking as if he's not going to notice them ridiculous and then he ends up being like or blue rolls in in his suv to pick up seagal and you think seagal's just going to get in the suv and they're going to drive away and then they just sit there in the middle of the road getting shot at for five minutes and then they drive away and then you have the car the the car chase but hansi have to admit it's very funny they like wanted to put a tailing scene in this movie and they chose to do it in the most (laughs) illogical way possible where they release seagal from jail and he just kind of walks through the city and they're but they're not following him on foot too they're following him have you ever seen a movie where characters on foot and they're tailing him in a car it's really funny because they're just like driving down the road going two miles an hour slowly very clearly it's like not hidden at all there's a car following behind this guy walking not even Seagal would know he's being followed. Every other person on that block would know this car is following and there were, him. There were no other cars on the road. The, like, the whole scene, there were no other cars. Because if there were, they'd be, hold, like, held up, honking their horn at this police car that's driving two miles an hour just so they can stay 12 feet behind Seagal, who's walking on the sidewalk. Oh, it's so ridiculous. I've seen movies that have a person being tailed on foot. I've seen movies that have a person being tailed in a car. I don't think I've ever seen one where the person's <laughs> on foot being tailed in a car. <laughs> that brought me a lot of joy. Oi. Oh, um, <laughs> oh so I, I mentioned this earlier, but I'll explain more of what I mean here. Um, so, like, there are parts of this movie that are, like, weirdly high budget. Like, I think a lot, pretty much maybe even like most of the budget was poured into that car chase which was fairly mm-hmm. competent like they wreck a couple cars at the end there's like the an explosion i, I doubt it the cars that they wreck were from the probably late 90s early 2000s well so here's why i think it was a, this was a direct-to-dvd movie the budget was like 20 dollars. yeah 19 <laughs> of those dollars were spent on the car so chase. the reason hold i on, say that on, the reason on, i hold on, hold on the reason i'm doing my math this way is because like uh there are a couple shots where like there was obviously a hair on the lens or like there was like some sort of <laughs> artifact in the bottom right hand corner that was a problem with the camera itself because it's only when it's from certain camera angles uh so it's not like a problem in the edit or whatever it's the there's a malfunction with the camera because there it comes up again later so like they use the same camera for a different shot and it's the same problem uh the uh, some of the cameras i swear were like camcorders that they just like bought at walmart or something it's so grainy uh and it picks up light so poorly like things are either overexposed or underexposed and there's like nothing you can do about it because the camera they used was so cheap uh when they go to like when seagal goes to like the high stakes poker table he's betting like twenty thousand dollars a hand they're playing on like folding poker tables uh (laughs) with like cheap vinyl chips and I love the the writing of how they're playing this game of Hold'em. Uh, you can hear one of the guys in the background as he throws a couple, of, like he throws a handful of chips and he says three white ones, and he throws them into the middle, like he doesn't <laughs> yeah. announce how much it is, just like how many and what color of <laughs> chips he's throwing in. It's glorious. No, I actually, it feels like the a lot budget of for this movie was ten million dollars. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's Probably. a lot of money. That's basically nothing. Okay. For a direct-to-DVD movie? movie? Come on. But, like, it's $10 million, but, like, most of that budget could, like, of the budget that was actually spent on, like, the car chase scene could be the most expensive scene there. We're not saying it's an expensive scene. This isn't Tom Cruise running down, you know, an entirely shut down, like, Times uh, Square. This is... 
the most expensive scene in a direct-to-DVD Seagal film from 2000. And there are like a couple I hundred guess. people who worked on this movie that are credited. Like, it, there are a lot of people here. Yeah. No, uh, but Aaron, to your point, I actually, my theory is that this movie was kind of like, this was written by like a, a Vincent adult man type character. This was written by a child that's like, <laughs> kind of knows adults play poker, yeah. do high stakes poker, but has never played poker themselves. Like the romance scenes uh, were written by a person that's like, this is how adults meet and like form a rom- Like it wasn't written by an adult. This is written by a child imitating the trappings of adulthood. <laughs> I did find it very funny that in the poker scenes is like the the climactic hand where like Seagal bets it all and is trying to call this other guy's bluff. The, I mean, three I, of know, a kind of eight. Yeah, not that this isn't a real scenario in poker. Yeah. It's just that like usually in these kind of a movie scene, you would be they'd be holding on to a, a flush or a full house or something. Uh, you know, a a, a skilled. A, a skillfully played hand of poker, but no, Seagal loses with a uh, what was it? Three of a three kind, and a three of a kind and eights. Yeah, and he loses to a guy who had a three of a kind and jacks. And I, 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 I know that that's not necessarily unimpressive and and or unrealistic, but it is very funny to me that those are the ones that they chose. It's definitely not cinematic. Movie. Yeah, it it's not cinematic movie, at all. That scene is always like. Ha ha ha! Straight flush, and then they go. Wait a minute, royal flush. Or flip that. I don't know which one's uh, royal flush. Yeah, I don't but know like, enough about poker. The end, I just it's know always that a, like royal I, flush. Yeah. I just the, know that three like of a kind reveal. is not particularly impressive. It's surprisingly realistic. Like that's the type of player that a dude who like owes gambling debts all over town is. That he has a three of a kind, and he thinks he's like guaranteed to win. Well, so like <laughs> in Hold'em, that's not a bad hand is the frustrating thing like that's not a that's not a terrible hand like it would be worth it to play that hand not to twenty thousand dollars absolutely not <laughs> but like it'd be worth it if that's you ha- if I you're mean. holding a pocket pair like it's worth it to- i'm exposing myself as knowing a little bit about poker please don't think i know like a lot i just know like a couple things and one of them is if you're if you start the game with a pair like it's worth it to play for at least for a while uh because if you get the third out there uh you have a much higher probability if you start with a pair in your hand before any cards come out you have a high probability of getting something uh which most hands in like hold'em poker you don't even play uh like a guy who lived down the hall from me in seminary was a professional gambler he said he plays like 15 percent of all the hands that he gets in poker he's folding 85 percent of the time and so if you have anything, it's worth it to play. Also, that makes terrible cinematic storytelling because that's like a really boring way to talk about gambling because the reality of gambling is that it's boring. And they could have either leaned into that uh, and showed just like how boring this guy's life is and how he's just like losing money daily in this really boring thing that he's just addicted to and brings him no pleasure. Or they could have leaned into like some sort of exciting poker game like you see most movies do. Instead, they try to like split the difference. And so they had like the big <laughs> cinematic, like the camera angles and the way that everyone's delivering their lines. It feels like it's supposed to be this big important moment, but it's three pair. It's like three of a kind against <laughs> a higher three of a kind, which is like a very yeah. normal hand. It's just not exciting. It's not exciting I at all. Like it's not cinematic. But it's. Oh, I feel like in my mind palace, yeah. I was just transported to the film 21 starring Jim Sturgis and Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> <Crazy>. <laughs> uh, 
<sighs> yeah, like this oh, same no. year, we got a much better gambling movie. Um, I think I referenced it briefly the other moment. Should we talk about what was maybe the worst part of the movie? Uh, was any scene that he had with Drea? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that she was somehow mysteriously unexplained and uh, like they never explained that she just falls in love with him for well, no reason. So, but also, well, no, they do it like uh, okay. That's not the problem I have with it. So the Drea's story is that he picks her up at a bar. They sleep together. She pretends to be like impressed by his cooking skills when he makes two fried eggs, which when <laughs> she said, wow, you cook, I like wrote down in my notes, it's two fried eggs. And then Seagal says, it's two fried eggs. Anyone can make this. I'm like, okay, thank goodness. Uh, the movie <laughs> knows how lame this is uh, this one time. <laughs> and then so she like spills her guts about who she is and things uh, like what her motivation. She just kind of explains to the camera what her motivations are. They don't come up at all. They don't factor into she nothing about uh, she has like this whole backstory about like men always looking down on her and her line of work. Uh, and so she's like a freelance artist now. Uh, really, she's in reality. She's a freelance assassin, except she still works for men. Uh, and the fact that, you know, she had like this tension in the past doesn't factor into any of her decisions for the rest of the movie. But whatever. Uh, and then you find out like Seagal finds out that she's also working for the old man and like feels betrayed, but they weren't allies. Like she was a one night stand who happened to be working for the same guy that you're working for, except you didn't know that, but it's not like she got any information or anything out of you. She didn't take anything from you. Like nothing happened. I don't really understand why he feels like betrayed. Surprised would be one thing. Like, yeah. oh, that random lady I picked up at a bar is also a secret assassin in this wanted team. Uh, but, like, betrayed. Betrayed what? Yeah, it's not like he shared his life with her and then no. she was upset when he lied. No, he shares nothing about himself. He makes some inappropriate jokes about his genitals. And then the uh, scene ends. <laughs> so that's the, that's the problem. It's like half of what you said, you're like, she explains her backstory. And I'm like... No, 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 no. The only reason they have her explain this is to make, like, the terrible joke. Like, that's the payoff. <laughs> the payoff is this, like, awful joke that he makes. It's not going to factor. Again, I'm, like, yeah. I've seen these. I'm, like, this isn't going to factor in. Yeah. Her talk. Like, I should know so by for now. reference. I should know by now. Should. For reference, they're at the bar, and he's, like, literally just sitting there, just kind of, like, looking like he's just, like, staring at his target, but it just kind of looks like he's, like, at the bar pouting. Ooh. And this woman <laughs> walks up, and she's, you know... He's like literally sitting there just like in a bowling shirt or something. Yeah. Like he is rocking two hundred percent divorced dad energy. And she's immediately like, Hey, how's it going? You yeah, know, she's like half his age. If I sit here. And, and so of course oh what they have this awful the, their dialogue at the bar is terrible. So she's like, Oh, that guy over there, he's bad news. Stay away from him. But then oh yeah, he's like, What's Drea short for? And she's like, Andrea and She's like, what's your name, Matt? And she's like, what's Matt short for? And he says, normally it's short for unlucky son of a or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, maybe I could get lucky tonight. And she's like, what would make you lucky tonight? And he's like, you tell me. And she's like, I think I already did. Oh, it's the worst. It's awful. And then. It's so bad. Well, because then later on, she's giving her backstory again. Like you said, Aaron, you watch another movie. You think this might factor in. She's like, I always had men that would like tell me how to do my job and act like they know better than me. And like, I realized like it didn't matter if like I had if I could get any better, I would just have to grow a d 
and he goes, I think I'd like you a little less if you had a d- especially if it was bigger than mine. And she says, and she goes, oh, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. And then the scene ends. I don't think that's possible. Yes. Oh. I just, I like slumped oh. over on my chair. I was, I, I was so frustrating. The sh- Sucks. <laughs> it was so gross. <laughs> it's, not even, like, it's not even clever. It's not even like a, no. you know, a little gross but Why clever. It it's just it's just gross. It's just bad Why would it dialogue, be? bad writing for the sake of having it in there. I just it, it And ugh. every interaction they have is this bad. Even later on, what he says something else gross. I Oh yeah, when he's yeah, when he feels betrayed and he's like all that, because well, he feels betrayed ostensibly because he realizes she was planted. This organization yeah. has him going to take on a hit. So, of course, it actually kind of makes sense. Like, both A, how she, they just, like, happen, like, to be together. How she ends up just, like, magically, like, being in love with him, you know, and wanting his d- immediately. Um, and for, like, you know, how she also happens to be in this organization. Basically, they he's scouting out his target. And they had her, like, seduce him, like, you know to keep tabs on him or whatever i don't know like for secret villain you know wanted organization type stuff and he's like this conversation when he's like talking about the betrayal is so ew gross uh, uh, it's gross i hate it because he's like and all that good loving you gave me was that for them or was that for you and she goes oh that was for me oh oh, i hated that so awful the way he says it too because the whole movie the whole movie he has his typical his his typical it's not even an accent it's 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 an offensive stereo it's it's an offensive impression of a stereotypical black but person. but sometimes is, is, it's an offensive stereotype of a cowboy yeah yeah and it's that's just his dialogue throughout the <laughs> entire that movie but that line me, that was just that it was that, a trick well, that wasn't even that, that one wasn't even as as a cowboy that line <laughs> specifically was just him that was just him being himself because he's a creep that was his voice saying it, and it was the worst because you have this so like, gross. well, you know how I do, and all this other crap that does just how he talks throughout the whole movie, and then he has that line that is all that uh, good loving you gave me, and it was uh, <laughs> because that's him. That's hey, just who he is. Uh, like that's just Steven Seagal no. being Steven Ew. Seagal, no. not trying to be anyone else because he's a creep. Ew. It's just disgusting. You really see his creep. Like I, like I said. It's truly the worst with her. Um, also, shout out to the time when he feels betrayed and he says, as close as we've been. And this was after they had one scene together. Uh, <laughs> but every interaction he has, he greets his ex-wife with, hey, baby, what's going on? And his interactions <laughs> with his daughter when he's like, oh, our daddy-daughter relations. Every scene he has with a woman oh, is the so creepiest gross. framing possible. And it even bleeds into other things. Like, even his presence, like, makes it creepy. Like, at the end, like, when you realize Steve's the villain... And there's the scene where it's, like, cutting to shots of his daughter, like, on a trampoline. And it's just this girl, like, jumping on a trampoline. And there's just, like, three adult men just standing there not talking to each just other, like, watching her. Looking at her. It's weird. Like, they're all, they're, uh, like, a, a police get-together yeah. at Steve's house or something. Steve's in his you know, buddies, backyard, yeah. backyard barbecue. But there are no other children. Like, none of the other cops yeah. brought their kids to jump on the trampoline. It's just her. It's very And they're weird. just like each standing there holding a beer, watching her jump on the trampoline, <laughs> doing nothing else. And I'm just like, is this like the Seagull creepiness, like bleeding into other characters or something? Like the infestation is spreading? Oh, I hated that so much. That was easily the worst part of this movie. Um, like every time Dre appears on screen, I'm like, no, I'm 
I'm just like I don't have an issue with like Renee Elise Goldsberry. She's fine. Like even the character she's a, Andrea a better is not actress. Great. She deserves better. But I know there's gonna be a weird interaction that make that makes my skin crawl in this scene as soon as she appears because Seagal's also there. A uh, great line, uh, not because it's actually a good line, but just because I had to like stop and think for a second about this. Uh, so like Seagal's ex-wife, when he goes over to their house, like during the cop party. She's like in the mm-hmm. kitchen to get away from the party for a little bit and she's drinking. Um, and she tells Seagal, I married Steve to get away from all this. To which I wrote, All what? You married a different cop from the same department and didn't move to a different town. I literally married my ex husband's cop friend to get away from all the cops. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yes. You have the exact same life you had before, just with a different cop. You did a completely lateral move and then acted surprised when stuff was the same. When all of your husband's work buddies are still cops because they work in the same department. Not even like they just, all of his work buddies are cops. It's the same work buddies. The same. It's the same. They're literally from, it's like, oh, I'm tired of my husband's boring office friends, so I married a different guy in the same office. <laughs> oh. She's, uh... uh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if she's human. Uh, thank you for bringing me some joy. Thank you for bringing me out. Of um, um, <laughs> the uh, oh, a fun dumb thing. Uh, so when he goes to like that place with the duck pin bowling, uh, where the yes. Asian mafia the place is with the duck pin bowling, aka the criminal. Well, there's like this criminal hangout, uh, and everyone is like vaguely Asian. So like some of the people are speaking Korean, some are speaking Japanese, some speak speak Cantonese. Like it's. Uh, the entire continent of Asia is represented in this gang. Very multicultural. Uh, but the There's even a Russian and an Indian. That's a really positive way to put it. Um, <laughs> but like the, the head guy that actually gets killed, like it, that he's there to kill. He kills a lot of guys other than the head guy that he's there to kill. Uh, but when he kills the head guy, like the he holds up this blanket in front of him. And he gets shot, and you can see the squib pack like move <laughs> yeah. on the blanket when it explodes. I'm okay with that. Kind it's of like thing. a block <laughs> that's just like you can see the tape where they like taped it to the other side of the blanket. It's great. Okay, so speaking of this kind of this one makes me want to talk about something that extends beyond just this movie oh, into like wow. the larger just Seagal oeuvre. Oh yeah. So I do not understand why they keep trying to make Seagal something he's very clearly not attractive <laughs> sexy well that yes. but the reason i say this is because i re- way I, i've kind of dropped this line of i don't know as the movies i've gone on i haven't talked about this as much but for like i remember like the first like few ones i was saying like he should just be a super bloody violent like amoral just like man just killing people for no reason like don't try to justify it don't make him like you know don't even make him an anti-hero don't make him like redempt redempted in any way just make redemptive redeemed uh redeemed Come on. um just do like robocop but with even like less morals and ethics than that just have him walk around and shoot people and have like big bloody squibs go off that should be his thing so what i don't understand is they keep trying to do this they keep trying to make him a ghost they keep trying to make him the sneakiest man ever where he can just go in, like with, at the beginning of this movie when they literally say i need someone who can walk into a, a mall kill a guy and like get out with nobody noticing so I'm watching, I'm like, why do they even bother to try to set this up where he's like a super stealthy, he's going to walk in and just do the explosive, pro- okay, yeah, he just walked in and shot the guy in the face. Like, 
they he has he's there's a show don't tell and the show don't and the show and the tell are completely opposite of each other so i'm like <laughs> lean into it in the movie robocop that not the actor himself but like in the armor they have him wearing he literally can't walk it, he is wearing like a washing machine worth of like armor <laughs> but robocop works because the guy can just walk into a room pull out a gun the size of my head and shoot a guy in the chest 47 times <laughs> And they spend half the budget on the squibs. Which is kind of like how he handles some of these. Like, so when he... He handles these situations like Robocop. He says, don't move, creep, and then shoots a guy in the dick. But they keep trying to say he's something else. Just lean into it. What what was it? It was, uh... Oh, it was one of the early ones. Was it Hard to Kill? Where he just, like, steals a car... Like yeah. he's, he's supposed to be a cop or something that, that after he comes back from being in a coma, yeah. he's still a cop, but he's trying to like be the good guy, but he just steals a car and then sells it to a gang yeah, and, and then just goes on the murderous rampage throughout the city, breaks into a jewelry store yeah. or something. I think that was all hard to kill, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And just, just causes untold chaos, but he's the good guy at the end of the movie. Well, like that's how... Like you're... Yeah. That's how he kills uh, his first mark in this movie, Bruno. Uh, he just goes to the restaurant where Bruno's like having lunch with the other mobsters, sits down at the table with them, talks to them for like a minute, makes them all mad, and then just starts blasting everyone, flips the table, just absolutely destroys the place. The second one, he just goes into a place, literally like kicks Mahjong tables over and just starts shooting people. The thing is like, we're 20, we're 27 movies into this. And this is the twenty seventh time they've said he's like a ghost. You won't see him coming. He's so sneaky, and he just walk waddles into a room and just starts shooting slash kicking everything that moves. Even like, what are we still doing? Why are we maintaining this lie? The actual real you don't have to. He doesn't have to be stealthy. Operative. The actual real life Steven Seagal is six and a half feet tall. Like he's not right. gonna. He's a large man, even before he got, like, And I'm like, not rotund. saying someone with his physique can't be an action hero, but, like, lean into yeah. what he very clearly is. He's always been, even in the 80s when he was, like, skinny, he was still six and a half feet tall. Like, he's not right. gonna sneak in anywhere. Uh, and they didn't try to do that in his 80s movies, in, like, the early 90s movies. Uh, I don't think so. Like, if you watch, like, Above the Law, okay, all, all the way back, Above the Law, uh, it's, like, more of a, a classic action movie in that he's not trying to be like a stealthy killer he just busts down the door and starts shooting people that kind of worked yeah for who he is but like they've, they've decided that he's like the sneakiest stealthiest most silent assassin ever but i'm like why do you keep saying that here's here's the thing you though you don't have to say that these movies can exist with you not saying that i completely understand where you're coming from i agree with you wholeheartedly that you're you're 100 percent correct but you keep saying but. they've decided. It's not they've decided. He has decided. Because he comes on to every single one of these projects and rewrites the script so that it fits like his persona, that he how he views himself in the world. He's the one that makes himself the ghost. Because that's how he views himself, because he's I'm an just idiot. Like, can't somebody convince him to be like an unstoppable, unhurtable, like amazing in every single way and sexy to every single woman, bad but a slightly different bad? <laughs> Zach. 
that's all he, I want. He decided halfway through a movie shoot, I don't even remember which one it was, that he could not kill the bad guy because his like Buddhist monk advisor. Oh, this that was really <laughs> we're back in the nineties. It was it was whichever one had Steven Tobolowski in it because Steven Tobolowski had to convince Steven Seagal that, Glimmer Man? that I am the bad guy, you have to kill me. That was Glimmer Man. I think that was Glimmer Man. Was it? It was just like the <laughs> <laughs> this man <laughs> is a moron. <laughs> he's, he's. I mean, uh, you're certainly right. Hunting there. down the family man. Yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah. That was Glimmer Man. I get that, but like, what? Like, just why can't he just walk in? He can. He can just walk in a room and just shoot people, and that. And it's actually kind of funny here because, like. He, Again, like I said, he goes into a room and he this guy's having sex with a woman and the guy's holding the bed sheet in front of him. I'm okay seeing the squib. <laughs> I'm okay with that. If you give me like the big like it was squib a big explosion, squib. like it was. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. But, see the thing the thing here is Steven Seagal has to portray himself as being the good guy. He has to be like the redeeming character in the story, but only up to a certain point. Because I I, I my favorite line in this, I can't even remember the exact line. But while he's tailing his first target, the guy, like, goes, he stops his car, stops at a fruit stand, like, steals a piece of fruit, yells at the person selling the fruit, and then leaves. And Seagal goes up to the vendor and, like, pays for a piece of fruit, and he goes, oh, so that guy was pretty rude to you, huh? And then the the scene ends, and, like, that's it. And he, like, he has to have that last line. He has to be able to talk to the fruit vendor and apologize and say that he's a good guy. But then later on, the the during the car chase in in the car that I guess Steven Seagal isn't driving the car. It's uh, Blue that's driving the car. But they run over the same fruit stand. Yeah, and it's like they he was just not not an hour beforehand. He was the good guy. He was apologizing to the vendor for the for the Mark being rude. Well, he was buying okay, a piece of fruit. And then later on in the movie, they just run it down. You say apologizing. He actually just walks up, picks up a piece of her fruit and says, Korean, Japanese. Uh... <laughs> he does say that. He's kind of a jackass about it. <laughs> well, and because he doesn't even apologize. He just says, those guys were being to you. Okay, well. like, but that's that, okay, but that's his, that's how he apologizes. <laughs> that's, that's him. That's him showing yeah. that he's like a good guy. He's he's relatable. He's supposed to be the the hero of the story. But then later on in the story, he just runs the fruit stand down. Okay, okay like Hans, you know you know what that reminds me of? What? This reminds me of when he has like this friend for life, and the friend turns out to be a villain. But like you know, they stole some kind of connection because he saved this guy's life at one point. So. And, and, you know, but he has to kill him. He has to take him out because he actually is a bad guy. But then, instead, you know, how you might just, like, I had to kill him. You know, it's what I had to do. But, like, you know, let's respectfully. Nope, let's throw him into a car and explode it <laughs> in front of his stepdaughter. <laughs> like, I kind of thought, oh, they're kind of talking. How would you like to be married? I'm like, okay, they because okay. it's come to this. But they have this connection with each other. And then he goes, nope, would nope. it be badass if I threw him in this car and exploded it? <laughs> You're cremated now. <laughs> Why would he do that? Like, well, as his daughter that's... is, like, rolling on the ground, wailing, <laughs> watching her dad exactly. kill her this stepdad. This corpse is the yeah. food stand. And he's not, like, he's such a, an <laughs> about it. Because, and that's just him. That's just him being him. Because... There are so many like that. Tro- that's a trope. That's something that happens in movies. Like you have the big, 
climactic fight between the hero and the villain and when one of them is dying like the fight is objectively over and then they have a little heart to heart and they're like you know we're not so different you and i it really sucks that you had to kill me and then they die and that's it like that's that's the climax they could have had that here but nope (laughs) he has to just throw him into a car and explode the car a hearse literally like you're watching the film black panther and, you know, he's looking over the sunset and he goes, you know, uh, oh, what is it that he says? He's like, you know, uh, like bury me at the ocean so I can be with my ancestors. Just imagine if then instead of doing that, Black Panther is just like, ha ha, nope. And then just like punched him so hard he exploded. <laughs> like, oh, wow. There was almost like stakes and an emotional payoff there. But nope, we had to get nope. rid of that. I do also oh God, shout out to the fact so that bad. shout out to the fact that Drea uh, rescues the daughter and then goes okay like while the gunfight is still going on she goes okay run go run <laughs> run to your dad, dad. there's go still like active the of gunshots gun in the background shots going on <laughs> run and find don't, your no, dad. don't stay with me go run into the middle of this gunfight like flailing <laughs> you were the hostage ten seconds ago I'm sure nothing bad will happen uh, I also oh I just want to throw one little fun fact in here uh, did anybody else think that Steve looks like Joey from Friends what he looks like Joey from Friends um I could, I've never seen I a full episode of, of Friends of... but <laughs> no a guy who has not even seen one episode of Friends wow I'm getting some Friends Spe- speaking as someone who has seen well, almost embarrassingly so because I have it on just in the background all the time speaking as someone who has seen the entirety of Friends at least five times this man looks absolutely nothing like Joey from Friends okay then let me pivot from something I absolutely know nothing about to something I know quite a bit about <laughs> the the weird Catholic stuff in this movie made absolutely no sense Okay, okay, wait, wait, real quick, but did you, I was going to make a joke, I was just going to say, but did you think that Lance Henriksen kind of looked like Bishop from Aliens? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. Um, All right, let's hear it. We got to... No, this will be quick, uh, because most of it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, so... Oh, no, no, I'm into it. This was something I've, I've been waiting for. So, like, uh, opening I know scene you a lot to with say. Seagal is he's sitting in, like, counseling, and not, it's not confession, Uh but it's like some sort of spiritual counseling when the priest just calls him a dirtbag uh, and says that he's like the worst. <laughs> Best part of the movie. And just I actually really like one of my favorite lists scenes. to him all of his problems and so it just kind of ends it with, uh, but like you're a good man, I think maybe. Um, terrible, terrible, terrible. Don't ever do that. That uh, doesn't work. Not how that works. Um, when Steve goes into the confessional. Uh, and uh, is like trying to get him to give information. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the priest already gave too much information. Is probably excommunicated at that moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, like even just saying like, oh, he comes here. For you're not even allowed like to is... say like if someone has come to you for confession. Uh, and in fact, depending on what state they're in, that priest could sue Steve for asking because he's an officer of the law. Uh. Like, there are some states where that's protected as a religious right. Uh, so, like, he could, you know, like, sue the the police department for even asking. Um, but I'm also, like, I'm pretty sure the priest already gave too much information. Uh, it depends on, like, what conversations they've had outside of confession. And, well, if he hasn't broken the seal of confession, then he might have broken, like, uh, counselor 
counselee confidentiality because he's a religious counselor, which means like uh, Sagal would have the same protections as like doctor patient confidentiality. Um, so he doesn't have the right to just like tell him all that stuff. But anyway, once the priest does die, this funeral makes no sense. You see the funeral procession coming in, but the casket's already been there for like. Oh no, they're leaving. Are they leaving? I thought they were it's, coming in. It's it is it is a really weird shot, and it took me. I I I'm with you because uh-huh. it took me a second to figure this out because you see Seagal. The casket is there, and you see Seagal standing in the middle of the road as a bunch of cars are passing. Yeah, him. they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be leaving. Because I was really confused because the, there was a little bit of like the rite going on, like the burial rite going on, which what they were saying wasn't the burial rite. One, they were reading Psalm twenty three, <laughs> which the only reason you'd be reading a psalm at that point is if you're doing like readings at the burial, which you would only do if you didn't just come from a funeral. Where you had those readings, <laughs> which sometimes you do if someone has a burial, but no funeral, but he's a priest. He definitely had funeral. <laughs> and so like they're reading Psalm 23 and it's a Protestant translation of Psalm 23, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> like that's the King James version, uh, which we don't use. Uh, but then everyone leaves and the casket's just like there, just like still sitting yeah, there with no one around. They didn't lower it into the ground or anything? Yeah, they, no, that gets lowered into the ground like pretty much immediately. Uh, like the gravedigger will be standing like by like stuff. during the whole burial. And then once everyone shuffles off, the gravedigger comes by and just lowers it into the ground and covers it with dirt and it's done. Uh, yeah. Like it, it, it made no sense. Uh, also, I'm, no. and during the, I'm, I feel like ahead, this sorry. church that they're in, that's supposed to be like Holy Trinity Catholic church or whatever it's called. Um, I don't think that's a Catholic church. I think it was like a high church Lutheran church. That they just really? like built a confessional <laughs> in the corner because the confessional <laughs> looks completely different from everything else in the building. Um, like it could be a Catholic church, but like the raised pulpit and like the choir stalls in the sanctuary, that's that's a very Protestant thing in the United States. Like that would that would be weird <laughs> to have in a Catholic church in the US. An old Lutheran church, it they look exactly like that. Um <laughs> That's funny. It could be that no Catholic churches in the area let them film, but they found a Lutheran church that would. But he really needed to be Catholic and not Lutheran for the whole confession thing to work. So yeah, they just built a confessional. The, in the, the funny, the funny thing about that, though, going back to the grave or the the funeral scene at the graveyard, is that even though the casket isn't lowered into the ground, then there's this massive gunfight, which basically centers around that casket. Yeah. The like bullets hit gravestones all around and they all explode into bits and pieces but not a single bullet hits that casket <laughs> he was protected by divine yeah protection. <laughs> um actually speaking of just funny a you mentioned depending on like what state this takes place yeah. in and b you mentioned like like filming location when you were watching this movie did you happen to think like wow wherever this is taking place looks like really bad like i wouldn't want to live here uh did you happen to think like this looks like this was filmed i didn't really think about it terrible trash location <laughs> <laughs> did you happen to think like this was filmed in like maybe like one of the worst cities and one of the worst cities? Uh, like it did look weirdly cities. empty. What, was this filmed in Connecticut? Connecticut. The entire the everything was filmed on location in Bridgeport, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> why did why did I watch Submerged when I, I was staying in Bridgeport, Connecticut? I should have watched this one for the full experience. <laughs> I was wondering where you were the going. The timing with that. on this. The timing on this could have been so much better. <laughs> yeah, filmed on location in Bridgeport, Connecticut for 37 days. 
<laughs> Let's go ahead and rehash for our listeners why you hate <laughs> Connecticut, the whole state. <laughs> Terrible state. It is the backwash of Long Island Sound. <laughs> Um, but yes, no, I, I'm not even <laughs> Catholic and I, there was definitely some funkiness going on with <sighs> all of that. So I knew you'd have something yeah. to say about that. Was there anything else? Like anything else? You um, no, not like, not really. It was just like, <laughs> they just got it all it wrong. Just all know. of it was wrong. <laughs> like it was, but it wasn't wrong in ways that like movies don't usually get it wrong. Like it's just I, that they definitely didn't consult with anybody no, who would have known. Like I can't really watch movies that are centered around you know Catholic stuff unless they really had someone good there to tell them how stuff actually works because it's pretty much always wrong. <laughs> it's, um, it's like me watching a movie that has anything to do with computers and hacking. Yeah, so and... so here's here's like... just like a little. You can cut <laughs> what I'm about to say out of here because I think this is just something fun to think about every now and again. If you know you watch movies and you see the thing that you are familiar with and it's totally wrong, does it ever make you think that maybe everything else in this movie is also just completely wrong? I just don't know enough about that <laughs> thing. Oh, that is. Yeah. So it's not for movies, but that is like a real world concept mm-hmm. when it comes to the news. Yeah. Like whenever the is news that, reports on like, Catholic stuff, it is wrong. Well, it's just like in general, anytime the news reports on something they have personal experience with, you notice all the issues, but like most people don't apply that to the yeah. fact that like, like outside of like what they yeah. know, like we realize, oh, they probably are this amount of wrong all the time. I just yeah. don't know it. Yeah. I don't listen to anything reported about the Pope. It is 100% just wrong. Sometimes fabricated. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that, but that is like a real, that is a noted yeah. thing that in that, that happens in like, not even just every field of expertise, just like if you are the subject of a yeah. story, you will notice every detail they get wrong. Yeah. But most, but then people tend to still like, they don't apply that to like every single, oh, they're probably getting this wrong, this wrong, mm-hmm. this wrong. Um, how was your watching of the Netflix series Daredevil? It was great. No, it was really good. I was kind of curious because it felt like they did a better job. They did a great job. Uh, Actually, so like uh, at one point, uh, Matt Murdock like quotes the Catholic teaching, uh, the pre-Pope Francis Catholic teaching because it was kind of like in the early days of Pope Francis uh, on capital punishment. He like quotes it verbatim. It it was great because he, you know, the whole thing about it, like him arguing with um, Punisher. He's like quoting church documents without saying well this document says this which means like someone on the writing staff had read it but knows that matt murdoch Mm. wouldn't be a nerd like that he would know it but he wouldn't like quote it that way uh it was it was very well done speaking of so just a going to the priest this is like the last kind of thing that really stuck out as like really absolutely just sucking and like pulling this movie down (laughs) so i mentioned earlier during the recap like how this movie has information it wants to reveal and reveals it rather inelegantly so the movie kind of sets up that he's a deadbeat and divorced and his wife is with this new man and everything. And then, like, I don't know, roughly, like, halfway into the movie, it's ostensibly, like, Seagal is in confession or something, like, he's talking to the priest. But what happens is the movie just goes, okay, here's a voiceover from Seagal where over the next two minutes he's gonna explain what yeah. happened. He's just gonna outright state... This stuff went missing. I was accused of it because I gambled. Like, the money was gone, so they accused me. But then he stepped in and lied and said I had an alibi. But, like, one, it's actually weird to just hear Steven Seagal talk continuously for, like, more than five seconds. Like, 
So it's both in terms of how it's used, like this voiceover that just this monologue that exists in the middle of the movie sucks a because it's just the movie saying well we couldn't figure out another place to say all this so we're just gonna have seagal straight up say it <laughs> um and b uh because he's not good at delivering like a monologue <laughs> like when it's more than just so listen i'm gonna tell you this one thing like he you could my man is reading off a script and he is like spot he is like spot reading he is like reading the way children <laughs> learning to read like put their finger on the word and sound it out, i swear like he is saying each word individually he's not, not it's not the first time that's happened either but like it is very noticeable here oh for sure what was the last one there was um uh oh, it was the one where his daughter was kidnapped it was the the taken one belly of the beast. Whipped? was it belly of the beast yeah it there was like, belly of the beast yeah. He gets to the end uh, where his buddy that owned the bar or whatever was the was the bad guy all along. Mm. And you could tell that from oh, the very beginning. Yeah. And he just explains out loud for a solid two and a half minutes the plot up until this point. Right. Just in case the, 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 the viewer couldn't follow the garbage plot. He has to recap it for you. But I'm like, I kind of... They didn't get an imitator for this. This is gone. I think he's trying, but he, even if he's trying his best, his best is not good. <laughs> that sucks. For me. This is very bad. This That's... isn't how you should reveal information, movie, and this isn't a, the right man to do it. That's just a really good description of that man as a whole. He just he sucks. He's very he bad. Sucks. He sucks. Oh, no. <laughs> Anything else really? Did you just um, Aaron? Hold I on, don't Aaron. Like did you just say character judgments about people? even Aaron I'm sorry normally I would be on your side because you're a very good person you're a much better person than me and normally I would agree with you that that's the right move you shouldn't make character judgments on people you don't know no but it is pretty much Uh, you added a modifier in there that I didn't add in what I said you shouldn't make character judgments on people and you said you shouldn't make character judgments on people you don't know and that's not what I okay, said. No, you, you, okay, I'm sorry. You're right. Oh, you're right. You shouldn't make character judgments on people. Period. <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that Steven Seagal is an. <laughs> he's a bad person. He has done some pretty bad things. That's different. <laughs> any, any other outside of Steven Seagal's morality, real life morality? Any other thoughts on the uh, like anything else that or still technically I think in like the stuff that sucked section? Anything else that sucked? No. The one thing that did kind of make me chuckle. I don't know where else to fit this in the podcast, so I'm just going to inelegantly like ramble on it for about like one minute. But I referenced earlier that when Blue recruits him, he's like, "This target's a really bad man who does bad things. He like kidnaps children yeah. and makes them work in like you know asbestos mines." And Seagal's like, "Oh, I want to kill the <laughs> guy." And the guy's like, but he has an eight-year-old daughter, and that daughter is like really excited for a dance recital, but she's nervous, but he knows she's going to do a good job. And Skull's like, oh, I don't want to kill the guy. And then the guy's like, oh, but this guy, he also like, you know, cheats on his taxes and doesn't pay his parking <laughs> tickets. And Skull's like, okay, I do want to kill the guy. And then he's like, oh, but actually, he just took his daughter out for ice cream yesterday, and, and you know, it was like the best day of her of that year for her. And Skull's like, oh, I don't want to kill the guy. Like he does this weird thing. So at the end. I just like picture like he's still in the organization and he's like seems just like like Dre just like hands him a target and he's like all right cool which allegedly according to the IMDb trivia section his last assignment is an image of the director Roel Roel making like (laughs) a cameo which is pretty that's funny yeah I don't know that's just what the trivia section says but he he, like clearly doesn't have problems like doing this like doing this line of work anymore like he's fine killing the people so I like to imagine that he's just like huh without like blue here just constantly reminding me that these people have like families i'm totally (laughs) fine like i'm on board killing these people like nonstop. here i go killing again (laughs) yeah he straight up is just like huh 
now that he's not reminding me about their like kids and families and stuff, I love <laughs> killing these people. This is amazing. Well, also just like he cared about no the Marks about this. families and things, but like all the goons or like the people who just happened to be eating lunch no, that no, day, no he doesn't care about their families. Ooh, no. there was some pretty solid goonery going on here. You know, when a bad guy who's like the boss <laughs> says like, hey, I need you to take care of this. And they're like, yes, sir, boss. We got oh, yeah. right on it, boss. Sure thing, boss. There's some good goon <laughs> behavior here. Those are some solid grade A Batman, like 1960s yes. Batman goons. Sure thing, boss. I got sure it. thing, boss. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take care of it, boss. Don't you worry. 10 out of 10. Yeah, so what's your, Aaron, what's your uh, favorite, my favorite line? What's your letterboxed star rating? Uh, my favorite, what, what, what do you want? My favorite line or my... Do your line and then do your, do your star rating. Okay, so my favorite line <laughs> is when he's about to kill Bruno. Uh, and Bruno says, I'm a businessman, doing business. And I just think, was Donald Trump like a secret Seagal fan? And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the wildest so far. Uh, it was, it was great. Um, so we have Christopher Nolan, we have Hideo Kojima, <laughs> we have Donald Trump, uh, we have uh, Luke Besson. Yeah, they're just all secret Seagal fans. Uh, my star rating for this, I don't know, two stars maybe, um, because there are like parts of this movie that I want to give like two and a half stars, and there are parts of this movie I want to give like negative a star, um, mm-hmm. but I think... I don't think your averages average out there. <laughs> well, the parts that get like graded on curve two two and a half stars are longer than the parts that get like a negative a star. Mm. So it it works out to like maybe maybe two stars if I'm feeling generous. Waking up tomorrow morning, I might think one and a half. Again, I don't know why you're feeling generous, but <laughs> all right, Hans, what about your line and your star rating? Two stars. Uh, the line. What, what did I say before? Oh, it's the 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 fruit vendor. When he was talking to the fruit vendor, he said, "Oh, so that guy was a real jerk, huh?" But it's not. The line isn't good. It's just because of the context of how he has to portray himself as the good guy, but then later on in the movie, runs down the fruit stand. It's just very telling of his character. Like he tried. It's just he awful. Did. He did try. It's just awful. Um, I think I will actually also go with two stars. Wow. We are is this the first time we all agree? We've all agreed. Yeah, it took twenty-seven movies for us to all agree really on the star rating. <laughs> dial it in here. Um, I like the part when the old man, um, who again I will reiterate, is played by Bishop from Aliens because that's just absurd that we're in two thousand eight and we're still having like that's like that type of actor like pop up in these movies. I don't know if he just really needed the money or something. When he first buys all of Seagal's markers and is recruiting him, when he's like, thank you for, you know, coming. I'd say thank you for coming here, but you know, you, were, you can't really because you were made to come, but I'm going to make you an offer. And Seagal says, what kind of offer? And he says, an offer that you can't refuse because it temporarily reminded me of a much, much, much better Aww. movie. <laughs> made me a little mad because like when a movie's being a little cute and cheeky and they say, I'm going to make an offer I can't refuse, referencing the very famous line from The Godfather, I'm like, okay, that's kind of cute, but like the movie has to be somewhat decent. When the movie's very bad and it references this line from The Godfather, it kind of makes me upset. But still, just like the fact that the movie was so bold to put that like 20 minutes in now, right on a plate, like Godfather reference. In fairness, he says, I want to make you an offer. And Seagal says, let me guess, this is an offer that I can't refuse. And then he says, no, you can refuse. Oh, I com- I misremembered my favorite line. Then I guess it can't really be my favorite line. 
Um, then I guess, uh, actually my favorite line in the movie would be when Drea says, and after like a bunch of years, I finally realized that I really needed to do was grow a dick. And Matt said, well, probably I would like you a lot less if you had a dick. And then Matt said, especially if it was bigger than mine, you know what I mean? And Andrea says, I don't think that's possible. Maybe Did you that's look up the script? Are you reading it right now? I can see you reading it from your screen. <laughs> oh, that's so awful. That's so yeah. bad. It's Ugh. so awful. It's like poison. Made me really. Um, it was gross. Were there any other actors? Uh, uh, we already said that uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry went on to do Renee Hamilton, like the yeah, the main Shh. cast, the original Broadway run of <laughs> Hamilton. Dane. Uh, I I remember looking through before and I didn't really find much. Oh, uh, Lance Henriksen, who I've referenced as you know. Oh my gosh. Alien, uh, well, he was also in Millennium and the X Files, and Tarzan no, I just and found Paul something. Or two, and Mass Effect, and the Terminator, and uh, Stone Cold and Pumpkin. Okay, the yes, poker dealer. The, was ha- he has like sure. a line uh, where he tells yeah. Seagal, like, no, he tells like the guy that Seagal's betting against that, like, you can't just overbet him that way. Like the we mm-hmm. do, we don't take debts at this right. fake gambling establishment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy is the original. Well, maybe not original, but the 1990 Steve Rogers live-action Captain America. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Uh, he was also in Revenge of the Nerds. Um, sure. Sure. I care about that much less. Oh, uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry, she was also Mimi Marquez in the filmed version of Rents. She was in White Collar and The Good Wife, Law & Order SVU for three episodes. Wow. I was expecting like one episode oh as like, you know, a random victim or person they interview. Three episodes. Uh, also, bad. so the girl who played Becky, who's not a, uh, she's a grown woman now, Lydia Jordan, the same year she was in Pistol Whip, she was also in Doubt with Philip Seymour Hoffman, Meryl Streep, and Amy Adams. The same year. Also, this isn't an acting role, but Renee Elise Goldsberry was uh, an alumnus of Carnegie Mellon University. She got her BFA at CMU. Oh. So shout out. Shout out. Oh, Blue, Paul Calderon was in Blue. Pulp Fiction. Um, He was almost Jules, the character that Samuel L. Jackson would play in Pulp Fiction. Well, that's not the same thing as being Jules, but yeah, pretty good. But he, he still got to be in the movie. He got to like, you know, he had a line in Pulp Fiction. He was almost like the main character of Pulp Fiction. That would Fiction, have been crazy. I feel like, I don't know if we've ever given an actor a shout out for almost being a role in a movie, but first time for everything. Uh, Yeah, I'm not seeing a whole uh, heck of a lot here. The director of this movie would later go on to direct the Scorpion King 3 Battle for Redemption, a direct-to-video third movie in the Scorpion King series, where Victor Webster plays the Scorpion King, replacing Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, and Tamara Morrison? Uh, Boba Fett is in this? What? Kimbo Slice? Dave Bautista? Wait, what are we talking about? And along with Billy Zane and Ron Perlman, the Scorpion the King Scorpion 3? Scorpion King 3? Now I kind of want to see it. Directed by the director of Pistol Whipped? Ah, uh, we got. I uh, we got to watch Scorpion King three. They made a Scorpion King four. <laughs> where, where did they sneak all these Scorpion King movies by without me noticing? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, that's that's everyone from Pistol Whips. Um, I think we need to be done talking about this movie. <laughs> oh wow! No, we've so this is one we've had before. Todd Ramsey, the editor, we've talked about him before. Was also the editor for Escape from New York, The Thing, Star Trek, The Motion Picture. Oh, this guy's back. Yeah. Oh, he's he's really on some hard times. Uh, this was basically the end Whoa. of his career. He did Jeez. Pistol oh, Whipped that's, and then that like five or six more movies and then was done. That really sucks. Well, no. I'm well, his latest man. movie is in 2021. So he's only done like five movies between 2008 and 2021. So he's I'm apparently sorry, still man. making things. His first movie, as we said a few episodes, I don't know how many episodes ago, was Star Trek The Motion Picture. Hey, are you... uh? 
Are you ready for what next week's movie is? Sure. Could you imagine? Can you even imagine in your tiny little minds that aren't ready for the true deaths and you know extent of the scale of this giant universe we're in? Can you imagine that the next movie has an even dumber title than Pistol Whipped? I don't <laughs> see how it's possible, but here we go. So join us next week for Kill okay. Switch, another 2003 <laughs> film starring Stephen Frederick Seagal. <sighs> Made the same year. Yeah, see you there. Yep. I'll see you I'll there. See you there. I would I... rather be square. But... That means one of us has to die. Okay, I'm, I'm recording. recording. You have to say okay, it. Go on, say it. Yeah. All right. You ready? It's not yeah. good. It's okay, not worth it. No, it's 100% worth it. It's yeah. your first. Yeah. Come on. Pistol whipped? More like pistol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs>